welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Frozen 2, the second one of the two Frozen movies. <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about Frozen 1, have we? We have not, so, so maybe, maybe we'll have to talk about that sometime. This is like an unwritten contract talking about frozen 2 means maybe who knows maybe by the time we release this we will have kept sat on this and recorded frozen one probably not unlikely jan do you want to tell us a bit about frozen 2 frozen 2 is a 2019 movie it was uh directed by chris buck and jennifer lee written by jennifer lee it stars the voices of Kristen Bell, Adina Menzel, Josh Gad, Jonathan Groff, and new this time around is Sterling K. Brown and Evan Rachel Wood. Can you tell us a little bit about the plot of Frozen Part 2? It starts with two sisters, one born with powers, the other without. Then there is an enchanted forest, and, uh, okay, I'm, I'm trying to, like, recreate the way that Olaf Olaf does it, it, but I can't at all, and I'm not going to try. Okay. In this movie, things are basically going well for Anna and Elsa, and everything seems happy, and they don't want anything to change, which of course means that it does immediately. A mysterious voice draws Elsa towards the enchanted forest where the spirits of the elements are angry and have kept everything... Uh, frozen huh? in time for 35 years or so <laughs> and with Anna's help and Olaf's presence and Sven and Kristoff's not really are you doing presence this from memory? <laughs> yes I am doing this from memory they try to solve the mystery of why the spirits are mad what happened in the past and they do solve it it turns out Elsa is the fifth spirit. Arendelle is a horrible kingdom and deserves to be destroyed, but isn't. And Elsa saves the day. Anna saves the day. The dam that was built by Arendelle, supposedly as a gift to the indigenous people of Northumbria, was actually a trick. And Anna gets the spirits to destroy the dam. And then it doesn't destroy Arendelle because Elsa uses magic. And then Elsa stays to be the spirit. And Anna becomes the queen of Arendelle instead. And everyone lives happily ever after. And if you can understand the plot of this movie based on what I just said, congratulations, because that was some nonsense. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) How? It's been a long time, Paul. We have to, like, we have been, these way too seriously episodes have been far between. I'm glad to be back at it for this one, but we're a little rusty. But what did you think of Frozen 2? How much did you like Frozen 2? So this is the second time we're seeing this. We saw it once in theater a couple months ago, and now again. Uh, I love it. This is a fantastic movie. It's one of those ones, like, it's interesting because it's like, sometimes I'll see a movie in theaters 
and immediately afterwards I'm like, yeah, that was okay. And then it grows on me as I think about it more. And Moana was that, and and Frozen 2 is that as well. That the second time I'm seeing it and hearing the songs for the past several months, it's really grown on me. And I I enjoy it. It's a, I mean, in terms of sequels, in terms of Disney sequels, this is... 100% the best one especially the best if you don't, Disney sequel the ever. best Disney sequel ever I mean don't not counting Pixar so not counting Toy Story 2 Frozen 2 is just astounding for a sequel I would say more than just this is the best Disney sequel ever I would go so far as to say this is the only good Disney sequel ever true and I'm saying that without having a list in front of me but I don't like Disney does not do sequels no it's not the only good sequel ever, but it's the only good Disney sequel. Rel- Ralph Breaks the Internet is the one we've oh, talked about before. Movie? Yeah. Yeah. Record Ralph is a Disney movie. Then, Remember yeah. all the Disney princesses in the second one? Right, right. <laughs> so Ralph Breaks the Internet was very good. Do you think, okay, in purely in terms of your enjoyment of it, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about Frozen 1, but how does the sequel compare to the original for you? Yes, um, I... <sighs> I've heard a lot of people say that they like this one better. Frozen will always have a very special place in my heart. Mm -hmm. It was the first movie we ever took our kids to see in theaters. And we have two little girls who were, who were, were, they are (laughs) sisters. And so it was very uh, fitting for it to be their first movie. We went to Disney World and saw Frozen sing along. It's, I really love the first one. This one is, I think, just as good, but I don't... It doesn't quite replace Frozen in my in my heart. How about you? Essentially the same. I enjoy this movie, and like you were saying, I think quite like what you were saying. This is a movie that I liked when we saw it in theaters, but it has grown on me rather than the opposite. I think I liked, you You compared to Moana, I think I loved Moana from the very, right from the get-go. But there are movies that, like, the more you think about it, the less you like them. And movies where the more you think about it, the more you like them. And this movie's grown on me, for sure, mm-hmm. in my enjoyment of it. And exactly, I'm so boring, but just like you, for all exactly the same reasons, first Frozen's always going to have a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. And apart from my, like, judgment of its quality, just my affection for it... Frozen 1 will be hard to ever beat because it's this nostalgic moment in my kids' lives. And it all, like, nothing will ever be that. Mm-hmm. The first movie we saw together in theaters, it was about sisters loving each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I, that's never going to be replaced. Exactly. But I really enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to talk about, uh, objectively, how good a movie do you think Frozen is? Yeah, sure. Because... One of the things that Fro- or Frozen 2, one of the things that first Frozen uh, people say about it that I think is fair is that it has one really good song mm-hmm. and then the other songs are okay. Yeah. And I think the other songs are better than okay, but I think like Let It Go is much better than anything else in Frozen. Yeah. I think Let It Go is much better than anything in Frozen 2. Agreed. The Let but It I Go... Think... Let It Go was overplayed, yeah. and like it became almost a joke how much it 
it was everywhere, but that's because it was such a phenomenal song. Yeah, it just was a great performance, a great song, like lyrically, thematically, musically, in terms of performance. It was better than anything else in the movie. It's better than anything in this movie. But I think most of the songs in this movie are better than the other songs in Frozen 1. Hmm. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. Like, yeah, I think yeah. most of the songs in this are better than Do You Want to Build a Snowman? Mm-hmm. Which is a good song, which is a fine song. Yeah. But, like, I think we're mostly getting, we're mostly beating that in terms of the song qualities. Yeah. What do you think? I can agree with that. Definitely. The, my kind of high points and low points in terms of the music, I've, one of the reasons I say, like, they're good, good music is I have a hard time picking a favorite Mm -hmm. song because uh, I think... Uh, Show Yourself is a really very strong song. Yeah. Performance-wise, it's as good as Let It Go. Mm -hmm. Like, Adina Menzel is doing amazing. Uh, Writing-wise, it's not as good as Let It Go, but it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. The, like, um, what's Into the Unknown. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't think that she's quite belting it out as much on that one as she is in Show Yourself, but it's also a pretty good song. Uh... The the Anna song, The Next Right Thing, is like a beautiful, it's one of the most compelling and uh, accurate depictions mm. of grief that I've ever seen. Yeah. This like, there's no hope, but you just have to take the next step anyway. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, I've talked about this in every media I've been in, but I recently lost my brother and this is weighs on everything that I see. Mm -hmm. And it felt familiar Mm -hmm. in how it describes what it feels like to lose someone you love Mm -hmm. and keep going, even though you kind of feel like maybe you have no reason to keep going. Yeah. I think uh, the... Lost in the Woods song. <laughs> it was like, because they didn't give Jonathan Groff a song in the first one, they gave yeah. him a long song this time. Yeah, and he's like, I mean, he's a amazing Broadway actor, and he plays the king in Hamilton, and how could you have not given him something to sing in that first movie? So I can see really why they just gave him this huge song. I'm like, I'm torn about it. Yeah, me too, me too. Why are you torn? Uh, because it's... It's a lot of fun to watch. It's really funny, but it's like, what exactly are they going for with this? Exactly, yep. They're like, they're making the audience laugh because it's this weird, like, uh, rock ballad tribute song. They're making some parts of the audience laugh. Like, even that the is kids true. laugh, well, even but the if kids... you recognize Queen, yeah. <laughs> then the like dark background with the reindeer is much funnier. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's some elements that make kids laugh and a lot of elements that make adults laugh. But it's his emotional song. He's going through a hard time. And so like, are you really, am I really laughing at Kristoff in this moment? Yeah. Is this really like, it's just, it's not quite hitting emotionally the way it should. Yeah. But also it's just so good and so funny. And Jonathan Groff is amazing. I think it's one, it's a case of like the opposite of why the two Elsa songs mm-hmm. don't quite hit 
as much as Let It Go does are for the opposite reason. Mm. That those two Elsa songs are good in the movie, but not, they don't stand alone as a song the way Let It Go did. Yeah. And the Lost in the Woods stands alone as a song as like a music video, a hilarious parody of rock ballads is funny. The performance is so good. But just in its place in the movie, it does not make sense. Yeah. And it kind of stalls the movie. It stalls his story. It makes his whole emotional arc into a joke that means nothing. Mm-hmm. Which it is, like, and never, that he never comes back from that. Yeah. So why do I care about any of this story about Kristoff? Yeah. And it's quite long. Yeah. As a song on its own, for its own merits, that's fine. But, like... The movie just grinds to a halt to have this long parody video Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with what's happening. That's true. (laughs) So I'm torn about it because I enjoy it as a thing, but as a part of the movie, I think it shouldn't, it doesn't earn its place. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, Olaf is, continues to be funny. Like, he could easily have been like the Jar Jar of these movies. He could easily have been... Just like that annoying sidekick, but somehow the way Josh Gad does the voice, the way that they just, they, they hit emotional resonance with him as well as humor. Yeah. The way he's comic relief, but also an emotional connection between the two sisters. It, it lands just in that perfect sweet spot. And I think it lands for the reason that Christoph's song doesn't. Mm-hmm. Is it's sincere. Yeah. Like, Josh Gad plays Olaf Ernest. Yes, true. All the time. Mm-hmm. And that's both where the comedy comes from and where the emotional weight comes from. They come yeah. from the exact same place. If Josh Gad was winking at us or, like, hamming it up, yeah, it would fall flat so quickly. So quickly. But he's just, like, he is a snowman with a heart of gold who is completely wide-eyed and completely earnest all the time. Yep. And that's what it needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it really succeeds in the performance. Yep. Anything else to say about the performances? I think uh, Kristen Bell and Adina Menzel just continue to knock it out of the park in this one. Uh, Kristen Bell is in so many things that I love. I mean, she's in Veronica Mars. She's in The Good Place. She's uh, just someone I love. And it's kind of funny to think of her as Anna sometimes when, like, I could almost put some of Eleanor from The Good Place's lines in her lips, you know? Like, Anna would definitely say I'm a legit snack. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, she wouldn't actually say that, but I can really see her saying that. I would really like to see a video of Anna saying some of Eleanor's lines. <laughs> yes. And we already said, like, Adina Menzel is oh, yeah. she's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing mm-hmm. in this role. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, in general, people who know Adina Menzel. What about the this. what about some of the newer people? So you have uh, Sterling Evan, K. Brown. Sterling K. Brown. Like, he also is this like I don't know how he he's not actually that stellar in this role. Yeah, already know him. You just love he's him as good. Randall from This Is Us. I love him as Randall from This Is Us. I loved him in Black Panther. Right, I yeah. loved him is the murdering dentist on that brooklyn 99 episode and it's like three different roles where he plays kind of the same a character with similarities Mm -hmm. like but he's so uh has so much charisma Mm -hmm. sterling k brown 
that like all three of those characters are characters who like Olaf are like survive in the performance and this captain is like fine yeah uh but he's better than he's more memorable he could easily be a forgettable character and yeah. I think Sterling K. Brown makes him a stand-up character mm. and then like who else? Uh, uh, Evan Rachel Wood is the voice of the mother. Yeah, she's not a strong, a strong character, but she's, I mean, I like her singing voice is really beautiful when she sings the song with Elsa. Sure. I think that does surprising. I didn't know how good of a singer Evan Rachel Wood was. Sure. I don't really have, like, she didn't make much of an impression. <laughs> so what about the plot of this movie? Objectively, what do you think? How do you think it goes? I think part of what we said about... Kristoff is part of what's going what happens in this plot that like it has some trouble holding together mm. that like the honest the actually the Elsa story is interesting and strong and has a through line beginning to end mm-hmm. everyone else even Anna is kind of trailing along for the ride mm. and like their story is a little weak in terms of plotting and i say that as someone who really enjoyed it but like honest for example they really dial up at the beginning of the movie her like i i uh my whole life is for my sister which was also in the first movie Mm -hmm. but it was like she they flatten her character a bit at the beginning of the movie so that her she has only one motivation in this movie it is to be stuck by elsa's side all the time because otherwise her plot doesn't quite make sense Hmm. i think yeah i'm not sure i feel like this is uh on a Sticking by her sister's side, but it's all motivated by what happened in the first movie. And so it makes sense that emotionally she would be in this space where she uh, is upset with her sister for keeping any secrets, for Mm. running away. And she wants to, I think she has this love for Arendelle and wants to uh, be as good as her sister and live up and like... I just feel like the ending is so satisfying with her becoming queen. And I feel like it leads up to that, that that she wants to be in charge. She wants to, she deserves that because she wants it rather than Elsa, who's just basically forced into that role because if she's the older sister is what I feel like. I feel like that's, I think you are finding, uh, you are finding track that they didn't lay down because of the ending that no because she's in. showing she's showing her love for her people by like she's figuring out who she is by like her father and her mother were these two different people and she's following the father where her mother where elsa is following the mother's footsteps she's following her father's footsteps and destroying what he did like destroying the yeah. dam because she figures out it was wrong that happens like three quarters of the way through the movie mm. from that point on i'm with you okay i think from the time that Elsa dies, or seems to, mm-hmm. on, Anna's plot is really good. Hmm. But until there, it's just like, let's push her until she gets to the point she needs to be to land well. Okay. And I think... I just think that they're just being sisters who are doing something together, who are discovering their 
pass together. Yeah. Because they were, you start at the beginning of the movie with the father telling them the story of the forest and the mother singing them the song. And so they both need to experience this thing together. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that Anna's characterization is good, fine, good, uh, from the beginning. Her plot is like, I'm going to just follow Elsa and do whatever Elsa is going to do until after Elsa. And it's not entirely like it, it, she's just kind of trailing along behind. And so is Kristoff and so is Fen, And so is uh, Olaf. Olaf. Yeah. Elsa's the only one who actually is doing anything for most, for like the first three quarters of the movie. I see what you're saying. I disagree with you. And you just want to keep saying the same thing to, to convince me to agree with you. every time you disagree with me, I'm like, no, but can't you see how wrong you are? <laughs> okay, well, if, let's agree to disagree then. Should we get into the way, way too, too seriously, seriously part of this podcast? Let's indeed. What I'm about... So gl- I'm so glad my voice still does that. I know. I'm worried and I've worried it. And forgotten. <laughs> You didn't, like, even do a run-through before we got on mic. I know. <laughs> what about Frozen 2 would you like to take way too seriously? Um, I want to mention something right off the bat just because I noticed it and I wanted to talk about it is I really enjoy Kristoff uh, and Anna's relationship hmm. and how this is, like, your stereotypical Disney prince and princess relationship, which neither of them are. That, like Anna's a princess, I guess. Anna's uh, a princess. Anna's a princess. Sorry. <laughs> no, I guess. <laughs> She's a queen by the end, is what I'm thinking. <laughs> She's totally a princess. Sven, I mean Sven. Which one is he? Kristoff <laughs> is not a prince at all. But this is like the stereotypical thing would have been like the way Hans and her were last time, where like they fall in love over the course of the movie and are married by the next day. And I like that it's like, it's several years later, they've just been dating. <laughs> they're just like, they're in love with each other, but they're not rushing into like, immediately getting married. It's they're... like this movie puts its money where Frozen two, Frozen 1's mouth was. Yeah, exactly. That you can't marry someone you just met, and so let's have them date for a while. You can't marry and... someone you just met, even if it's your true love now. Exactly, exactly. So to have... They're not married. Kristoff is going to propose in this movie made me really happy. And then the way that by the end of the movie, uh, the supportiveness of Mm Kristoff. So there's this moment that I really noticed this time where she's going to destroy the dam. She's calling the big giants to run with her to destroy it. And Kristoff scoops her, like saves her from being crushed by scooping her up on the reindeer. And He's just like, what do you need me to do? Take me to destroy the dam? Okay. He doesn't argue with her. He doesn't try to explain, like, you know that when you do that, Arendelle will be flooded. Like, he should have reasons to to say no. But he's supportive of her, and he believes yeah. her, and he's a good boyfriend. And while and that... that's so, such a good portrayal for little girls to see on screen is a man who supports her and doesn't mansplain her is what a good relationship looks like exactly and while that i think makes in plot terms his plot pointless in like serious terms i agree with you i really love that like it kind of makes all his hemming and hawing 
completely in uh, contrived. Mm-hmm. But that's fine, really. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's... It's a guy who's about to propose on some level. I, th- I feel like anyone who proposes in the very niggling back of their head, even the most sure thing, you're like, but what if she does say no? What if nope. he does say no? <laughs> no, I was pretty sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> but and yeah, so... I do really like that moment is a strong moment. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. That, and that, like, he being a supportive boyfriend, but also the movie does not make... Like, the movie really lets... Anna take the lead. Yeah, exactly. Which the uh, Frozen One did too, but mm-hmm. like he doesn't swoop in and save her. He swoops in and supports her while she saves the day. Yeah, exactly. She gets to be the lead. She gets to be the hero. She gets to save everything. And the mm-hmm. same thing, Captain What's His Name, yeah. also does not then become the hero. And a lesser movie would, like, sideline the girl to have the manly man save the day. And this exactly. movie doesn't, and no. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. What do you think about... Uh, this is something that lots of people have talked about outside this movie, but uh, are in the context of this movie. What do you think about Elsa and Honey Marin? <laughs> well, I mean... What you're hinting at is that lots of people want Elsa to be gay or think Elsa is gay. And it, like, in both movies, because she doesn't have a male love interest, Mm -hmm. which is unusual for a Disney movie, there's other reasons, but the strongest plot reason, the strongest textual reason why people think that is that she has no male love interest in two movies. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's hints, or there's a lot of talk outside this movie that maybe Honey Marin is presented on screen as a possible love interest for Elsa. I feel like it's done with an extremely light touch, so much that Disney is kind of cowards. But it's also like, there's some significant looks between them. There's some flirting. That would definitely define what their interactions as flirty. And she goes off to live with them afterwards so there's definitely some promise there but i mean it's it's all audience-led yeah you all like it's disney's not doing anything yep i like basically there is as much uh flirtation between elsa and honey Marin as there is between Kristoff and the guy who te- yeah, get, yeah sets him up with all the reindeer yeah like basically it's exactly the same amount yeah and so there's plausible deniability in a way that, like, I I would prefer them to, like, just do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just go than, for like, it. Tiptoe right to the line. You can maybe believe it, maybe if you want to, but we're not actually going to say it. Like, just say it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd be really amazing. It would be phenomenal for Disney to have a gay Disney princess. Like, come on. Yeah. That would be unprecedented and i think it would be really cool but they don't have the guts for that that. this isn't that yeah however i do love that uh that anna that i'm sorry that elsa doesn't have a male love interest in either movie they don't they don't have one show up in this movie yeah they continue to make her about herself and discovering herself and even if she's not gay she's also not uh straight yeah right look or at least she's not motivated by a man exactly this is not a two movies yeah 
they don't force this heteronormative narrative on her. Yep. I love that. Yep. And she's really all about like, yeah, there's also, I mean, in terms of taking it way too seriously, That's you want to talk, <laughs> you want to talk Freudian when she goes in to that island <laughs> and like, it's show yourself but she's like even says I'm being born and she's going through all these like very womb like canals into tunnels. tunnels. Sorry, yep. not canals, tunnels and caverns. Caverns. Is the word I'm looking for. That's the C word that she's going through. <laughs> anyway, yeah, if you're if you're looking for like a Freudian reading of this, it's pretty uh She's going through those those caverns and coming out the other side. And it's a birth metaphor, but it also yep. could be very a sexual metaphor as well. It also could be. Yeah. What do you think about the, um, the relationship between... Like I said, Northumbria is a stand-in for indigenous people. Or I mm. think I'd be sad that they're indigenous. Yeah. Do you want to the talk about that a little more? Narratives of... Uh, indigenous and settler dynamics in like Norway are different from what they are in America. Mm -hmm. And I think this movie is mapping some American politics onto a Norwegian setting. Mm -hmm. But even in Norway, like uh, Germanic, uh, and it's not Norway, but even like in the Nordic world, Mm -hmm. Germanic people and, like, Sami indigenous people are not the same thing. And the relationship between them is not exactly the same, but it is not unlike the relationship between colonizers and, and uh, colonialists and uh, indigenous people anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Like it's Every story is different. But just so, like, there is this relationship between the Northumbra represent indigenous people and the... And the Arendelle represent settler culture, colonialism in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things, there's good things and bad things, I think, about how they represent that yeah, in this movie. absolutely. Maybe one of the bad things is although they say explicitly, no, they're not magic, they just take care of the forest, they still do kind of show the indigenous people are magic people mm-hmm. who have a magical connection to mm-hmm. the spirit world. And that's just like, that's an othering move, right? Yeah. It's like, they're not regular people like people are. They're magic people who know about magic spirit energy. Mm-hmm. And like... Yeah, it makes them very much the other. Yeah. And it makes it so that the presumed audience is the Arendelle. Mm-hmm. And then the Arendelle people are going to see these weird other magic people. Yeah. And so the presumed audience is not associate is not seeing themselves in the Northumbrians. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. I think that it was... <sighs> I like the choice to include them, mm-hmm. but I still think that there's more to go. Mm-hmm. And I like the choice that, to have the settlers as the villains, mm-hmm. to not step around like the their grandfather killed killed the the Northumber. What is it called again? Northumbrian. Is it Northumbrian? I I feel like it. It's we're 
slipping over it because Northumbria is a place in England. It is not Northumbria. Northaldra. Northaldran? North U-L-D-R-A. Northaldra. Northaldra. Let's say Northaldra several more times and not edit it out. (laughs) Anyway, the grandfather kills the Northaldra man in cold blood that he doesn't even have doesn't have any weapon on him he just kills him from behind and that is like classic settler and it's not just killing it's, <laughs> it's not just, just like, like an individual it's a metaphor for the relationship exactly. writ large exactly. so individual uh relationships may not be that mm-hmm. i just want to be clear that like i just feel like it's nice that disney has come a long way from say peter pan uh-huh and even Pocahontas. And Pocahontas, it's true. Like, Pocahontas is has its problems that this movie, I think, is better at. Yeah, exactly. And it's a different situation. It's not, like you said, it's not North America, but it is... Uh, yeah, well, it does have its issues. I think that at least they're smart enough to portray the colonizers as making bad choices as as the oppressors Mm -hmm. i like the like one of the strongest moments i think is when anna says like there's no future for arendelle Mm -hmm. when this dam stands yeah that like the dam as a metaphor for colonialism Mm -hmm. and that you destroy the dam because it frees the valley. You destroy colonialism because it frees the colonized people. And maybe it destroys Arendelle, but there's no future for Arendelle with it. Yeah, exactly. And she does not say, like, this will be better for everyone. No. She says, there's no future for Arendelle as long as this is here. Mm-hmm. Like, that way of framing it, I think, is a really strong choice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Elsa magically saves the day so there are no consequences. Yeah, I mean, that's where it's Disneyfied. That's where this is Disney. This is a happy ending for everyone because that's the way Disney's going to end things. And the, the magical spirits have all come together with Elsa as their center so she can save whoever she wants to save. And that's just... And like, you I don't know, know if I wrap want it up in a to bow. Say, I'm not trying to say that, like, I wish that... Arendelle had been destroyed and all the people had been flooded and killed. Like, uh, the people were safe. But I'm not saying I was hoping that the city was destroyed. But I am, like... I don't know what would have been a better ending, but that ending feels not just like a happy Disney ending, but kind of like a cop-out. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, they yeah, need, okay. we have to destroy the dam and there's going to be consequences for us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, but how about if there were no consequences? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right? okay. Like, I'm not, I don't have the answer mm-hmm. of what should have happened instead, but I feel like it was a bit like, and then quickly Elsa sweeps in and saves everybody at the end. Yeah. Right? It was a little neat. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I think um, part of the problem with the forest, though, was it was missing that center element mm-hmm. that Elsa was there to provide and so therefore can solve things uh, between the colonizers and the indigenous peoples is this movie just a ripoff of avatar because there's the four elements and then she's the bridge between their two worlds 
Just throwing that out there. I did think as soon as they started saying, they were like, air, earth, fire, water. And I was like, long ago, the four <laughs> nations lived in Hagathorn Harmony. Everything, everything changed, changed when the fire nations attacked. Exactly. Like, <laughs> Only watched, Elsa, the master of all four elements. Except watched, she's not. They watched Avatar between Frozen 1 and Frozen 2. And then they were like, what if Avatar, but Frozen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is there anything else about Frozen 2 that you would like to take way too seriously? Um, probably, but I can't think of any right now. What about you? I The things I mostly wanted to talk about, we have talked about. So, so is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it is good. Mm-hmm. I think it's easily good. Yep. You said it's the best Disney sequel ever, yeah. and oh, I'm yeah. totally with you. Actually, you said that, but okay. <laughs> okay, you said it's... No, you said it's the best one. I said it's the only good one ever. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, yes. Uh, like, without a doubt, good. Is it seriously good? Is it seriously good? Yes. I think what makes it seriously good mm-hmm. are, like... Female leads who are actual leads, who are mm-hmm. not leads in name only. They're, yeah. like, actual active leads, especially mm-hmm. Elsa. Yeah. Uh, the relationship between Anna and Kristoff treads into some, like, women be crazy moments. Mm-hmm. But then it saves itself by, like, what a good relationship looks like is you're supportive of each, of each other and trust each other. Yeah. And because she's the lead, he's the one trusting her. Yeah. And the only future for colonizers is to destroy the things that of colonialism that even that benefit them, even to their harm. It's the only way forward. Yeah. I think that moves it into seriously good. Is there anything? What's the seriously badness? Nothing seriously bad comes to that. I think, magnitude. yeah, we, we picked on a little bit of some of the elements but I, that we mentioned, but I think none of that pushes it towards bad. The seriously worst thing about it probably is the, like, uh, queer baiting. Yeah. Which is, like, pretending that you're going to tell a gay story and then not. Yeah. And I think if that, you know, like, if you that bugs you enough to think that it's seriously bad, you're, that's your prerogative. But I think that, on the whole, it ends up seriously good. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Uh, do you think there should be a Frozen 3? No. I think there probably will be, though. I think there probably will be, though. (laughs) Well, the thing we didn't talk about, we don't have to, but I'll just throw it out here, is there's this whole theme about growing up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. We won't expand on it. Yeah. Just we noticed it. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, we did. There's lots of things we noticed that we won't necessarily talk about. Oh, no, there's totally something else important that I really want to talk about seriously. Do we have to edit it back, or will I talk about it now? Just talk about it. Water... Does not have memory, you guys. <laughs> Central to this movie, uh, Olaf says, water has memory. And he says it among, like, a list of true facts. Like, wombats really do poop in squares and what uh, cubes and whatever else. All the other facts he says are true. And he says, water has memory. And it's, they really are hammering it home in this movie. It's mm-hmm. important to the plot. They say that phrase, water has memory, like six times mm-hmm. in this movie. Water Super does not have memory, and there really are people who think water has memory in, like, a pseudoscience quackery that they, you know, 
snake oil sell i'm going to sell you magical memory water instead of medicine and it's going to cure your illnesses mm-hmm. and our kid both of them mm-hmm. watching this movie because of the context because a lot of what olaf says is true they were both like oh i thought that that was something true like not that it is alive but that it actually has some kind of memory of things that have happened mm-hmm. and like that may you may be you may think I'm overreacting, but like it's a real miseducation mm-hmm. that this movie is doing. Like a whole yeah. bunch of kids are going to watch this movie and think water has memory, think homeopathy has like truth to it, think this is a viable. And uh, it's not presented as equal to like Elsa has snow magic. It's presented as equal to like wombats poop cubes. You look that up, you find out that it's true. Yeah. So I think it's a real disservice hmm. to kids and to yeah. people. Like, because it's quackery and it's nonsense. <laughs> Pseudoscience makes Pseudoscience. Paul mad. <laughs> Pseudoscience makes me mad. Magic, I'm good for. Like, yep. do magic. Don't give me pseudoscience and pretend it's real. Mm-hmm. That sucks. All right. I'm like, maybe you could have pushed it down to medium good. No. no. <laughs> Don't you dare. But this that's, movie... the, that's the seriously worst part. Okay. This movie is good and seriously good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the seriously worst part. Jan is rolling her eyes and does not want me to keep going. By the way, when we case, I said I was going to mention this on mic and here I go. When we came down, the first thing that happened, we walked into the basement to start recording. And the first thing Jan said is, Oh, that's what happened to my tea. Because her teacup is here full of tea, but cold now. And I just... That was a funny thing to say as you walk into a room. Okay. It's also in a uh, Beauty and the Beast mug, speaking of like Disney movies and stuff. With a chip out of it. With a chip. With both a fake chip and a real chip. (laughs) All right. So thank you for listening to Paul's Crazy Rant. This has been Paul's Crazy Rant. No, wait. This has been way too seriously. If you have a crazy rant for us, you can talk to us on Twitter at WTScast. You can send us an email, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. I think that's our email address. Yes, it is. You can also support us on Patreon. We have new podcasts coming out super soon because we're all stuck inside just like you are. And so we're probably going to be continuing to make more podcasts because what else are we going to do? Uh, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast. Uh, if you... We are, uh, of course, in the same situation as everybody else with with the uh, precarity of of uh, everything. <laughs> I don't know, like, I was going to say specific things, but, like, with precarity of everything. So we everything. understand if you happen to be able to support us on Patreon, that would super help us out. But also, if you're going through tough times because the world is falling apart, don't worry about it. Still listen to our podcast. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for listening. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. But here's the... Okay, so here's the problem. Does my tea remember that I was supposed to drink it? (laughs)